Amen. Hallelujah. You know, sometimes, just a word of encouragement as we're getting ready to look over in uh, Revelations, the third chapter this morning. Um, I wonder how many times we've asked God with a sincere heart to do a work in our life, uh, in, in our loved one's life or in situations, and that because we didn't see it right away, you know, the our timing of life, the, uh, the right now, we kind of drifted off from that. Our job is just to keep believing, to just keep looking to him who is both the author and the finisher. If I can say this in the cruidity of it, he's the great closer. He, he finishes things out, amen. And uh, truly, give him honor. He is worthy of that. Yes, more than enough. But I just want to remind us that, and I've said it many times in the last six months, to believe in, in the New Testament, that little Greek word, pistio, is to believe now, but it's to believe always. So it's not just I'm asking and believing today. It's, it's more than a Mark 9, 23, if thou canst believe in this moment, but it's beyond that moment. It's, it's making sure you don't take your eyes off of him. Uh, I've learned if my eyes are on him, I'm okay. Amen. Every, the world may be crumbling around us and circumstances may be overwhelming, but as long as I'm looking to him, I'm, I'm going to be all right. And uh, I just encourage somebody today. You, there's nothing wrong with you. You're a wonderful person. You love God. I just sense in my spirit you just need to be reminded. Just get your eyes back on the cross. Amen. And you know, in fact, let me take that a little bit further. Sometimes we get our eyes on one another. Big mistake. You know, Lord, look at them. What's going on with their life? Or why are they doing this to me? Or, you know, forget all of that. Keep your eyes on him. The God who Paul said in Romans 4, 17, who calls those things that are not as though they be. So don't worry about the knots of life. Don't worry about those. Just look to the God who calls things to be, who looked at nothing and called the earth into existence. Amen. And as you pursue him, <clears throat> the writer of Hebrews said that he is, in Hebrews eleven six 6, a rewarder to them that seek him and believe him and trust him. So know this, God will reward your faith. He'll reward your persistency. He'll reward your commitment to believing. And, and one of the big things about believing is not just thinking it, but it's speaking it. Because the moment you speak it, the word's out there. You're stuck. You've said it, you know. I believe God, uh-oh, now you're stuck believing God, right? That's a good place to be stuck in the name of Jesus. So just be sure and speak that word as well out of your life. And, I, and I'm not talking about confessionalism just to say it. I'm talking about a word that gets in your spirit, that, that rhema of God that God has communicated to you, that, that sometimes desperate moment that says, God, it, it's got to be, there's got to be change. In fact, God, I'm going to go from an asking posture to a speaking posture. And I need to be careful with this, but sometimes you have to be very prophetical in your praise. Prophetical, not saying what you want, but what God is. And what God is to that situation, speaking over, God is greater than this situation. 
God is above this circumstances. God is my healer. I, I've been sick, <clears throat> but I supersede that with, but you are my healer. I have been broke, but I supersede that with my God to supply all my need according to his riches and glory through Christ. I've been lonely. I don't tell anybody. I've been lonely, but my God will never, ever turn from me. Amen. He is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I've been worried a lot, but God gives me peace beyond all understanding. You see, you got to get that beyond just confessionalism. You got to get it into your spirit. And can I just go one step further before we get into kind of the next phase of the word? You need to speak that over your marriage. You need to speak that over your children. You need to speak that over your parents. You need to start speaking that over your, your uh, employees and your employers. I don't like the way my boss does things. Well, keep complaining, see how that goes for you. Or start speaking life, amen. Start setting an atmosphere for the environment to change, for God to do something. Sometimes, may I say, if but one person will get into the anointing and the flow of what God is wanting to do in a situation, in a marriage, in a family, in a business, in a circle, but one person will be that place where God can move in their life, it can change everything in that situation. Just one person will be that worshiper. It can change a whole nation, amen? It can change an environment. So I just give you that. I just believe the Lord's speaking to someone, if not a lot of somebody's father. We, we just receive it right now. We give you honor, glory, and praise. And we just thank you, God, for the word of God that gives us life. It gives us light. It illuminates our spirit. And it, and it teaches us how to walk uprightly, confidently, and assuredly into the unending boundaries and boundless love that comes out of your word in our life. If you receive that, just say amen. Amen. God bless you so, so very much. So, turn with me over to Revelations 3. Today, Lord willing, and... Uh, I'm sure he is. We're, uh, we're going to try to finish up on this uh, series, um, Rediscovering Church. It's, been, um, it's just been a delight for me in, in many ways because it seems like everything I prepare during the service, there's just these adjustments the Spirit is making. And, and I'll just be honest with you. I'm like, God, why don't you kind of let me in on that before we get into this? But you know, it's all right. You know, it's, it's all cool. I understand it. But I just feel like God has been really speaking and, and just really communicating. And, you know, we've started this in, in talking about rediscovering church, realizing that we are the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones, called out of darkness and into his marvelous light that we should show forth praises unto him. And it's not simply that we go to church, but we bring church every time we come to this building, wherever we're at, we're out grocery shopping or we're at the store or, or we're, we're doing something, we're at Lowe's or we're over at Steven Tyler's getting something. Um, there's a bit of an addiction right there, I'm just telling you. So uh, my wife went over there to say hi to him the other day and left with another pickup load. It's like, God help me in Jesus' name. So, you know, all right, 5% uh, off. But anyway, um, 
but, but wherever we're at, we're the church, amen, wherever we go. So, and we talked about, look, hey, there's realities. The church, we, the body, even this, this corporate uh, 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 vineyard working together, <clears throat> we've made mistakes. The church at large has made mistakes. Let's own up to it. We've failed in many ways. You even, you, you even hear the subscript of these things talked about around the world, and you, you talk to friends, invite them to church, and they say, yeah, I've had my fill of that. You know, I understand why they had their fill. They've been hurt. Some of you, a lot of you, you've been hurt in church. You've had things happen. But in, in the failure, God never gave up. He still favored the church. And upon this rock, Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church and the gates of hell. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes. Will not prevail. So in all of that, the Lord hasn't given up on this church. It's not over till, till we go on over to the other side. Amen. So we got to clean our act up a little bit. We got to start following together. We got to come to the understanding that, that he, he, in this, we, we find this great faith, the foundation of God's word in our life. And, and we can stand on that word in a world that is ever changing, in a society that is challenging us and challenging young people and, and saying, you don't have to do this. You're your own person. We stand on the word of God and say, no, I'm not. I've been bought with a price, the blood of Jesus Christ. I will therefore glorify God with both my body, my mind, and my spirit in everything that I am. We are going to stand because, because we are that, that lighthouse and that compass to society. And if we start veering off and away from that, we have nothing to offer this world. Then we become nothing less than a social club. And I'm not sorry I said that. We have to be a spiritual place that points people to Jesus Christ through and by the word of God. We talked about the fellowship and how important it is that we realize that, that we can fellowship together, not because of our likenesses uh, and we're not separated by our differences, but there are a couple of things. It is what, what John says in 1 John 1, 5 through 7. He said that we have, that the light of redemption has come to us. And because the light of Jesus Christ is shown on your path and my path, we can walk the same path as brothers, as sisters, as the family of God. And because of the blood of redemption, that where it was, whatever we were has all been changed. Because now we've been brought into the family of God, amen. And so as the family of God, we walk in this, this unchanging faith. And um, well, I don't even know what to say. A few weeks ago, we talked about the fire of this fellowship and the fire, and, and I tell you, the Holy Spirit empowers us and fills us, and I pray, God, let us keep praying. Fill us with the fire. Fill us with your spirit. And you say, I don't understand it. That's even better because too many people think they understand everything. I'd rather, God, let me, let me just be ignorant. And out of my ignorance, ignite me, oh God. Out of, out of what everybody says, I don't care. All I know is, God, you want to fill me with your spirit. Amen. In the name of Jesus. You know, it was the Apostle Paul who said in, uh, in Ephesians 5 and 18, he said, be not drunk with wine, which brings debauchery or excess in your life, but be filled with the Spirit. That is in the redundant form. That means be filled, be filled, be filled, be filled. That means get filled in the morning, get filled in the afternoon. Before you go to bed, get filled again. You were filled yesterday, get filled again today. There's another filling waiting for you tomorrow. There's plenty of God to fill your life so that we can walk in the Spirit not fulfilling the lust of the flesh. Why do I struggle so much? Whereby Paul says in Romans 7, 18, there is no good thing that is in my flesh. 
that does anything. And there's any good thing in my flesh. How do, how do I overcome that? Not because you are, are in your intestinal fortitude or your strength or your ability and discipline. It's by the power of God's spirit and the fire of God's spirit that we can live the life that he's called us to live. And then last week we talked about the function of this church and how that we work together as the body of Christ and how that we need each other and how that, that worship is very two-dimensional. Worship is that inner experience that we release out unto God and nobody can identify it fully uh, in your life. You have to identify that and you have to be in relationship and you come into that place and you say, God, I, I just, there's so much going on. I just got to praise you. There's so many things coming together. I just got to praise you. I, I can't help it. I'm not in the building that, that people say we praise you. I, I'm somewhere else. I'm in a public place, but oh God, I just want to praise you. But there's not only that, that inward, outward experience that worship takes us into a place of work and service where we get involved and it never ends because then the more we work and serve, that's worship that brings us back to this place. And so this morning, we want to talk about the future of the church. I feel like I've already preached a little bit, but just give me a moment here. I, I want to share with you, if you would just, if you found that in your Bibles, Revelations 3, 8, and uh, uh, 10 through 13, if you'd just stand for a moment and um, look at the Word of God. Philadelphia is the church he's writing to, two churches of the churches of Asia. He did, he did not rebuke. There was more, there was commendation there. There was hope. He was trying to tell them there's a future in all this. They were going through tremendous persecution. They were, they were being uh, persecuted from within, from without. It was spiritual. It was physical. It was financial. Uh, it, it was relational. Every way they were, they were going through it. And the word of the Lord comes and speaks to them and says, I know, I know thy works. I just feel like I need to stop and tell somebody. Maybe a, a, just almost a text out of context, but it has context to you. God knows what you're going through. He knows what you've been facing. He knows the struggle. He, he knows that there is this internal going on in you. <clears throat> I would to do good, but evil is present. Uh, he, he knows that. He, he knows that somebody's been hurting you. And, and God is saying, hold on. I'm with you. Hold on. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. God, God is, he sees it. He's with you. Behold. I have set before thee an open door that no man can shut, for thou hast a little strength. A little strength is good strength, amen. It's, it's much better than no strength. And has kept the words, uh, I can't read that, <laughs> kept the word and, and has not denied my name. Verse, verse 10, because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also, listen to this, will keep thee from the hour of temptation which shall come upon uh, with all, uh, all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast that no man can take it from you to him that overcome I will make a pillar in the temple of my God and he shall go with uh, and he shall uh, uh, go no more out and I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God which is new Jerusalem which cometh down out of heaven from my God and will write upon him my new name he that has an ear to hear let him let him hear what the spirit saith unto the churches he's saying 
Hang on, you're going through it today, but there's a future, there's a promise, there's a plan on the other side. It's going to be a whole lot better. Can you say amen? Father, let your anointing, let your blessings, let your glory just be upon your people today. Let your word come forth unhindered in the freedom, God, that it comes to set us free. We pray this in this house, in every church in our community, the name's the name of Christ. In his name we pray, amen and amen. God bless you. Don't, don't lose that enthusiasm uh, as we're talking about the, the future of the church. We look around, we thank God for everything he's done, everything he's doing. But when we look, we've got to understand that God is giving us an open door. A door that could not have been opened by anyone else. A door that nobody can shut. Rightfully interpreted, there, there's some evaluation there, but it all brings us to the same place. It's an open door of ministry. It's an open door of evangelization. But it's also an open door into the fullness of the kingdom of God. I just seem to believe all three. God is opening doors for blessings and for us to be a blessing. And God is saying, don't get caught up with where you're at right now. You got to look past that stuff. There's going to be all kinds of things into the future, but I'm with you right now. I bless you because you've not given up. You're holding on to the word. You're holding on to truth. You're dependent on my spirit. God says, it's not going to be all right. It's all right. Right now, it's all right. Stop looking to what may be to hope it gets better, but know that he's with us right now. The door is open. The blessing is there. Just walk in the fruitfulness in the favor of what God has. Now, sometimes in order to see the future of what God's doing, we just got to look back a little bit. Every once in a while, you just got to look in your rearview mirror and say, boy, God has been good to us. I just got to tell you, God has been good to Sanctuary Church. God has blessed Sanctuary Church. I mean, this church is coming up on 106 years old. Started on Paramore Street in 1942, went over to Orange Avenue about 25, 30 years ago, came over here uh, on this property and grew and developed. About 11 years ago, my wife and I showed up and uh, we showed up in a, in a gymnasium. They, was, they were worshiping in. And I tell you, there's a heart. There was a love for God. And we've been preaching and joining and praising God together. Since then, we have seen together, we've seen over 1,700 people give their heart to Christ or rededicate their life to Jesus Christ. We've seen nearly 300 people get baptized in water. We've seen over 55 people receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We've seen 600 people join the church and say, I want to be a part. You look around and say, where are they all now? I don't know. I'd like to have them back, you know. But that's the way it is. But God's ministering, amen. You're here. We've seen the daycare go from uh, one building whereby we've expanded the daycare. We've went beyond it. We've started a second daycare. I want to tell you what they're doing. I seen this place yesterday morning for the, for the orientation with, our, with CLC, jam-packed with parents and families 
There's over 400 now attending and coming whereby they're, they're being cared for and ministry is taking place. I'm telling you, we've seen in the last three years God's hand come upon us and enable us to build a building that we're not smart enough to build. We're not financially strong enough to build. We're not capable of doing it on our own. But by the hand of God, we are in this place this morning and I can look back and say, God has been good to us here at Sanctuary Church. Give him a praise. It is out of his goodness that we forget the struggle. We forget the strain. We forget the, the difficulties because we've seen the fruit of God's doing on us. And it causes us to look not only in the past, but the present. And I look around and I see people that love God. I see worshipers. I'd rather be in no other place than this house this morning. I'd rather pastor no other church than this church this morning. Let me pause on that and say it's not like opportunities don't come. You know, when God's doing things, everybody wants a piece of that, right? It's not like people don't say, why don't you do it over here? Why don't you do it over here? My wife and I on the way home the other day, we said, hey, it don't matter what anybody says or wants. This is where God's moving. This is where God's planted us. This is where God has put us, and I feel God is doing something much bigger than who we are and what we are right here in the Conway area of Orlando in Sanctuary Church, and we are in the middle of a move of the Spirit of God. Come on, give Him praise. Hallelujah. Thanks be unto God. Nobody can deny the presence of God's Spirit in this place. Nobody can deny the freedom whereby people come to Christ and their lives are transformed. Nobody can deny that if they have a need, they can come and be prayed for. And there is faith joining unto faith and trusting that God is moving in their life. People come out up to me time and time again. Pastor, I want to tell you what God's doing in my life. Pastor, I want to share with you what's happened in my home. Pastor, I want to tell you, you didn't know it, but two weeks ago in this service, this is what God's done. I'm telling you, that's because of the Spirit of God. It's not by man, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my Spirit. We have chosen together to lift up the name of Jesus Christ, and He has released favor upon this church. But it's not over. God has more. Somebody could say, well... Just rapture me right now. I'm okay. That's all right if the Lord's time is, is this time. But I'm telling you, there's something down inside me. There's something down inside the people of this church that says uh, enough is not enough. I want more than enough. I know there's more of God. I know there's a, there's a deeper place in the spirit. There are greater things. There are souls to be saved and lives to be transformed. There's a visionary aspect that God didn't say, I'm going to do just a real good thing, but God's going to do a great thing, a God thing, a thing that no man can say was by his hand so that no flesh could glory in his presence. I'm looking for God to do greater, to do more, to take us into places we've never been, to experience things we've never seen. Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard. It's not even entered into the heart of man. The things that God has prepared for them that love him. But by the spirit, he gives us that revelation. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think. I'm telling you, I don't care what you want. I don't care how big you see your God. He's bigger. 
I don't care how much God has done. He can do more. I don't care what great things have happened in your life. God has greater things to happen through your life. In the name of Jesus Christ, why don't you give him praise while I take a breath? <laughs> Getting ready for church, my wife said, you might want to put an undershirt on. I said, no, it's a real simple little sermon. I won't be sweating today. Well, that, that went out the window. <laughs> God, <laughs> Jesus said in Mark 9, 23, I said it earlier, you've read it a many a time. If you can believe, all things possible. All right, let's get... Can we get believing past our personal issues for just a moment? Can we get believing beyond our, our uh, needs and our situations? Can we start believing for this church to be, to be a powerful tool, an incredible instrument in the hand of God with laser precision? God will use us by his spirit. Can we start believing beyond our present boundaries and say, God, extend us without boundaries Extend us by the blessing of your hand to move into areas we've not moved. And not only through Orlando and Orange County, but beyond and, and, and from around this community to around the world. God, give us ministry on the other side of the world. Can you say amen? You've got to believe before you receive in the name of Jesus. Now, I'm going to give you a couple. Oh, it's not as late as I thought. <laughs> No, we're not just warming up. This cat's warmed up. I'm on. I'm, I'm redlining here. You might be warming up. God. You come and put all this stuff on and get up here. You know, you think your kids might say, well, that's just kind of crazy. Just remember Paul said, by the foolishness of preaching, our men's lives changed. Amen. This may be very foolish to some. But to others, as we speak, it is the power of God that brings transformation, amen. To the Jew first, to the Gentile, and to all who believe. There's only two type of people in this world, Jews and Gentiles, believers and non-believers. Which one are you in the name of Jesus? Hallelujah. So let me give you some things to think about concerning the future of the church and what God wants to do. Three things. I want to talk about the church moving in. I want to talk about the church moving out. And I want to talk about the church moving up because one day it's going to be over here and we're going to end up over there, all that believe. He's saying, hold on. You got a little strength. You got a little faith. He said, listen, I'm going to keep you. You're going to go through trials. You're going to go through temptations, but you're going to make it to the other side. Can you say amen? The church is moving in. Revelations 3 8, he said, You got a little strength. Just studying that a little bit. The Church of Philadelphia, it was probably a very small church. Not probably, it was. It was in a smaller community. It, the church didn't necessarily have a lot of influence. The church didn't have very much as far as resources. And the Lord didn't say, I, I know that you don't have anything. And I know, he said, Just. Just keep your faith. Just hold your faith. I, I pray every week. I, I pray for the persecuted church. And the first thing I say in my prayer is, Lord, let their faith not fail. I later pray for abundance and blessing and other things. But the number one thing is don't let your faith fail. Jesus told Simon Peter in Luke 22, I think it is in verse 30, 31. 
He said, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to have you and to sift you as wheat. But don't worry about it, son, because I prayed that your faith would not fail. All that matters, who cares if he got your car? He gets you another car. God gets you another car. Who cares if he got your house? God's got better houses. Jesus is up there building you a nice one right now. But don't let him get your faith. Don't let him get the grounding of that little bit of strength in your life. It is out of a little strength that we discover a little seed can move a mountain. Just a little belief can change the environment and the atmosphere. Just a little prayer that holds on can say, God, I'm not giving up. I'm not yielding. I'm not relenting. The enemy's not going to have victory in this situation. I'm going to walk in my little bit of strength, in my little bit of faith, in my little bit of power, because as long as you're with me, who's going to stand against me? As long as you're on my side, I don't care about who's on the enemy's side. Lord, there may be a thousand come. They're going to fall at my side. 10,000 going to come. They're going to fall at my right side. Not because of who I am, but whose I am. Not because of what I have, but who has me. Can you say amen? He said, you got a little bit of strength. Let me tell you what we can have with a little bit of strength. We need to walk in penetrating power. That's a military, military term. Penetrating power speaks about in the old days where they would send a, a bomber out, a jet out, uh, a flight out. And, and it, when it had the ability to fly all the way into the enemy's camp. I just feel something right there. All the way into the enemy's camp. Do its destruction and make it safely because God ain't into suicide missions. Can I get an amen? He ain't into killing you to give life to someone else and to bring you all the way back. And when they couldn't make it back, they didn't have that penetrating power. They, they looked like a good military instrument and a good jet, but they needed the ability to go up against the, the, the defenses of their enemy. Let me tell you, the church, now this ain't shouting right here. I'm going to talk about the church at large. The church at large doesn't seem to have much penetrating power these days. Satan seems to walk through families' lives. The church is struggling with, with making biblical statements, factual truth anymore. Jesus said, you'll know the truth. You not know a philosophy, not know a good story, not feel like you had, I got to do this, <laughs> Not, not, had, not just had a good sermon that said, oh, that sermon just delighted me. There's some delightful sermons. I'm talking about penetrating power. Where we go to the enemy's camp and we take back what he stole from me. Oh, yeah. Where we go into that place and we don't just say, I'm standing against. Enough standing against. It's time to get offensive and say, I've had enough. And enough is enough is enough. I've been pushed around. I've been knocked down. I've been beat up. My family has faced it. And Satan, I'm not going to take it anymore. It's time that we understand that Jesus gave us penetrating power, power in authority. In Luke 10, 19, he told the disciples when they come back from ministry, he said, behold, I give you power. That word power is exousia in the original language. And actually it means authority. 
It means the right. He said, I give you the right. <laughs> he said, you have the right to go into the enemy's camp and say, I'm here as a royal ambassador. And I'm here to say, you've been messing with my family too long. He said, I give you the right to tread upon scorpions and serpents, which is rightfully interpreted demons and devils. We don't like to hear that word, but who do you think's been fighting you all this time, amen? We need to wake up, realize there's a real battle going on out there. Either you're fighting a good fight of faith or you're getting your rear end kicked. You have the right to tread upon demons and devils and... I like the ands of God. And over all, A-double-L, all's not mostly, it's not kind of, it's every bit. All the power, that's not the same word. English language messes it up. That's dunamis. The explosive power. The punch you in the mouth power. The I have the authority, but I also got the ability. Come on now. I can tell you in the name of Jesus, what I'm going to tell you. But in the power of his name, I'm going to show you what this is all about. I'm not just preaching along. I'm telling you, this is what Jesus says, penetrating power. He told the disciples, he said in Matthew 16, we go back to the beginning of this message. He said, and upon this rock, I'll build my church. And I love the hands of God. <laughs> and the gates of hell you got to understand what he's saying. Shall not prevail. Two words, gates and prevail. Gates, pulai. It means the systems, the structures, and everything about hell. And the, everything about hell, the systems, the structures, and the strength shall not prevail. That word prevail means shall have no strength, no power, no ability to do anything about it. Now, when you get serious about God's word in your life and who and whose you are in Jesus Christ, you can march right into the enemy's camp by the authority of the word, the spirit, and the blood of Jesus Christ and say, I have the right, I have the power, I have the authority, and I have the enablement and the endowment to say and do what I'm getting ready to tell you. Satan, I had enough of your junk and I'm not going to take it anymore. Give him praise this morning. That's penetrating power. That's leaving here, going there and saying, you ain't making my family sick like that anymore, boy. You ain't robbing my finances anymore, boy. You ain't doing this anymore. I just like using that word, boy. It just makes him a little bitty, doesn't it? I'm just tired of it. No more. You run around as a roaring lion seeking whom you may devour. You don't have the power or authority. You have to do it by permission. I resist you steadfastly. Another military term that says firmly and consistently, consistently you're saying, no way. Ain't going to happen anymore. It stops right here, today, right now. Somebody's got to get this in their heart where you get up with penetrating power, exousia, dunamis, authority, the ability, and you march into the enemy's camp and you say, enough is enough is enough. I'm taking back what's mine. I'm taking back my God-given right as a child of the Most High God 
where he said, I will be in perpetual health. I am prospered by God's hand. I am blessed by God's anointing. And you're not going to take it and you're not going to touch my family anymore. I set it out. Come on, give him praise. Just, but I got to be honest now. But you know what a lot of the church has done? They're like the three little pigs. <laughs> Brother pig. The devil had a wolf. I know it's a lion. Or as a run. He said he's going to blow my house up with his, his nasty breath. <laughs> and I know that's not the whole story. I get you. What are we going to do? Well, let's just build a defense project. Forget about God. Let's just do it our way. He blows down one house, the other. Now they're all meeting in this one house. Oh, God. Don't. You tell me you ain't done this. Don't let that nasty little, pig, that nasty little wolf, the devil, come and blow my house down. Oh, God, help me. Give me a place to hide. My God in heaven, it's time to come out, kick down the front door and tell the devil, don't you come to my house again. Jesus whipped your snarly backside at the cross of Calvary. You don't have authority in my life. You don't have power in my life. You don't have a place in my life. I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to get out of this place. I want to remind you, you were defeated at Calvary's cross and you're going to end up in a lake of fire forever and ever and ever. Come on, give him praise. Mm. <laughs> it's time that we take that penetrating power and we start marching forward. Don't let it come over your lips, a defeated thing. A defeated word, a negative thing. It's time to get beyond what your needs are and realize that as a, as a member of the body of Christ, it is your job as well as mine to protect one another, to pray and speak the blessings of God over this church, over this family, over this community. Amen. And it's up to us. When we see unrighteousness, to stand righteously in the word of God and boldly proclaim. And somebody says, well, you know the way I interpret the Bible, this lifestyle's all right. My thing is, listen, I'm not here to fight you. I'm here to tell you, you have interpreted wrongly. You have, you have allowed a misinterpretation to give you liberty whereby the word doesn't give you liberty. The word absolutely gives us liberty when we're in the word. Can you say amen? And out of that word comes true freedom. You think you're free today, but you let the word of God change your life and you will be completely free. That's the kind of penetrating power that says Satan gets your hands off of them. We're not here to criticize our community. We're not here to tell people that are different than us. They're not as good as us. We're here to tell them God loves you and God loves me. And Satan has sent a lie. But I've come to tell you the truth. I've come to give you the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm praying for you night and day. I'm taking authority against strongholds and powers and spiritual wickedness in the heavenlies because that's who we are in Jesus Christ. Can you give him praise one more time? There's an old song we used to sing. I think they let me sing it too. I went to the enemy's camp and I took, anybody ever heard that? 
No, I want, I want to see your hand. I want to see. <laughs> Even if I could sing, I ain't got the breath for it. And I took back what he stole from me. Took back what he stole from me. Took back what he stole from me. I went to the, hey, I need a piano player. I went to the enemy's camp. And I, I know I don't even have the rhythm right. <laughs> but he stole from me. Took back what he stole from me. Took back what he stole from me. Somewhere it jumps over and it says, because he's under my feet, under my feet. He's under my feet. He's under my feet. Somebody needs to get that word in their spirit and say, I'm going to go and take back what's mine. Stop surrendering what's gone. It's still yours. Just because a neighbor took it doesn't mean it's theirs. It's still your property. Go and get it back. Go and take it from those who took it and let them know you are under my feet in the name of Jesus. Go ahead and praise him. I can sing better than that. I'm just out of breath. <laughs> All right, I got to move on. There's a lot more in that area, but that's good enough. <laughs> this, <laughs> that or we're going to have my funeral today. The church is moving out. The call of Christ is not my four and no more. The call of Christ is that we would come together on moments like this, forsaking not the assembling of ourselves together, especially as we see the day of the coming of the Lord come. We should be ignited every single week. Man, church was awesome. I can't wait till next week. I can't wait till we get back in this corporate environment whereby we are in one united praise, giving God glory and honor. The word of God is just flowing over, over the rails of faith and receptivity. Amen. This word that comes out, it's not a me thing. It's a God thing and it's a you thing. It doesn't come this way if you're not hungry and thirsty. But when all of that happens, the church is to take and not only move in, but the church is to move out. The church is to take this thing and start reaching beyond its border. There's some areas the church needs to, every single day, reaching up. The scripture tells us in Matthew 22 that we are to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, strength, and body, and that we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. that love is to be the single greatest thing that comes out of who we are in that love for God and that love for one another. And loving God is having a right relationship with Him. Loving God is simply worshiping Him for who He is and what He's done. Paul said in Romans 12 and verse 1, one version says, In view of the great things God has done in my life, I will offer the totality of who I am, body, soul, and spirit. He's saying that is my reasonable service. That is my spiritual worship. And he says because of what God has been, because of what God has done, I am going to absolutely reach up and I am going to worship him daily hourly every moment of my life I am going to demonstrate worship unto God by what I say by what I feel but also by what I do by the way I treat you I'm telling God I'm worshiping you by the way that we intersect with strangers you are determining who God really is in your life when you mistreat others you are saying you're not really God but when you treat people as God has treated you you are saying God in view of what you've done for me I'm going to love that old sorry dog that has done me wrong that has ripped me off, that should have gave me a raise, that should have done better in my
my life. But God, I'm going to see them as you see them. And I'm going to love them anyway. I'm going to pray for them, God. And I'm going to lift them up. That is reaching up to God and praising him. Give him worship in this place. It's not only, it's not just reaching up, it's reaching in. It's loving our neighbors. It's loving others. By this, John 13, 35, Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. Love, love is everything. God so loved that he gave everything. He didn't kind of love, he so loved, he gave it all. Jesus said, as I have loved you, so ought you to love one another. Don't misunderstand this. God gives us no right to mistreat and abuse others, no matter who they are. Well, they're my spouse. Let me tell you, the number one person in your life, you hear it, you hear it biblically, there is no person more greatly deserving of kindness and love and consideration than your spouse. Not your son, not your daughter, not your mother, not your father, not your best friend. There is no one on the face of this earth that deserves more of God's love, more of God's grace, and more of God's kindness than that spouse, that person that he has placed in your life. Until you'll love them like they deserve to be loved, they will never measure up to what you think they need to be. But when you start loving them, you'll see them through God's eyes. And I want to tell you, change will come into your marriage. Oh, God, give us help to love one another in the name of Jesus Christ. As the body of Christ, Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 12, 25, that we should care for the members one of the other. When you look at the early church, Lord, have mercy. They let nobody go without. Whether it's Acts 2.25 or Acts 4.32-37, they are constantly going around. They're like what, what um, uh, um, Luke describes in, in Acts 20.35 where it says, Christ said it's more blessed to give than to receive. And over in Acts 10.38 where he said that Christ went about doing good and healing all manner of those who were oppressed by the devil. How that he was anointed of God to do these things. What do you think God's anointing us to do? According to John 14.12, Jesus said the works that I do, I do, I do, I do, shall you do also and greater because I go to the Father. What is he saying? When I go to the Father, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. It's not within you personally to do this he said but when you're full of the fire when you're full of my spirit he said you can do these same works and when you're doing it together you can do that even greater you can love them you can care for them you can you can sacrifice of what you have because you know every good thing in your life is not because you're so smart and that you work so hard you say I work for it I'm telling you right now if God wasn't gracious to you I don't care how hard you work you wouldn't have a cotton-picking thing in this world. It is but by the grace of our God and Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that we have anything. Can you give him praise? Hey, I'll just give you a side note. That's why it's so important to be a tither and a giver because every time you come, you are saying, God, I see the blessings that you brought to me. I see it, I receive it, and I'm going to come to you and I'm going to worship you first and foremost. And you're going to take what is unrighteous mammon and you're going to turn it into righteous use, knowing I'd rather live on a blessed 90 than a cursed 100% any day of the week. But that's another message for another day and another time, reaching out with a commitment, with a care, with a genuine concern, doing things like right over here, 
every single Tuesday and Thursday and those that are working in between that we have a, a, a food pantry. We're going to turn that from pantry to bank because pantry says it's a little room. I'm going to tell you, little, little rooms don't feed 25,000 people a year with 200,000 pounds of food. Amen. That's a bank. That's a repository of blessing. That's a big old place that God is going to enlarge even more. I'm just telling you, Brother Larry, you've been asking me. You've been asking me. You and Jim have been asking me that we need more space. I feel it in my spirit to give you more space. We're going to open some doors. We're looking to give 400,000 pounds of food away, feeding 50,000 pounds. I'm saying things I don't really want to say, but I'm just telling you. In my spirit, I feel it. God's going to enable us to do more and more. Why? Because we're not just reaching up. We're reaching out. Because when God has touched us from the vertical, he is saying, out of that graciousness, I want you touching people horizontally. I want you loving them. I want you caring for them. I want you to show them who I am and what I mean on this earth. Give him praise if you believe that. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. I don't have really the time to talk about reaching out, but I'm going to tell you, the gospel of Jesus Christ is, is to be carried by the body of Christ. Amen. I'm not waiting for one evangelist to share it. I tell you, 80% of all the people that have ever come to Christ come to Christ because of a friend or a loved one or a neighbor that talked to them. Not because a preacher got up and proclaimed it. There ain't enough Billy Grahams and there ain't, there ain't enough of, of Billy Sundays and great leaders uh, around this world that have ever lived and died and will ever live yet to bring the world to Jesus Christ as it will if you just tell your neighbor about Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm going to tell you, when they came out of the upper room, when they were filled with the fire of Pentecost, they didn't go back up there and every day say, let's go back to the upper room. Let's go back to the upper room. They discovered that they had a charge and they had a call to go into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of all the earth. And that in that charge, in the face of great affliction, in the face of great persecution, in the face of being martyred, in the face of being broke, in the face of being all the things that would come against them, they said, we are called to go out into this world and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Some of the last words that Christ told the disciples and tells the church even yet today is in um, uh, Mark 16 and 15 where he said, go out into all the world and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. That word world is twofold in Mark and in Matthew, there are two different Greek words that, that he uses. One is cosmos, and it means go into all of the social systems, all of your friend networks and all of your influences and preach the gospel. The other is ethnos, and it means go to every ethnicity, every people group, every, human par every part of humankind and preach the gospel. What is he saying? He's saying go to every color. Go to every culture, go to every background, go to every religion, go to every nation, go to your neighbor, go to your community, go wherever you got to go. But if Jesus Christ is alive and well in your life, the future of the church is moving out that we become hundreds and hundreds of evangelists that are going out and telling people, I can't, I can't give you every word of scripture, but I can tell you what God did for me. Amen. That's what a witness is. A witness doesn't go out and prove it. A witness goes and says, here's what I seen. I seen I was once blind, 
This man Jesus came into my life. Now I see. My life's been changed. I had problems, but now I have peace. I had persecution, but now I had God's presence and blessings in my life. And there is an overabundance of joy that has taken me over. In fact, I was a strong man, and now I feel like crying all the time. I just feel like crying all the time. And they'll look at you maybe like you're crazy. But when the Spirit of God touches them, you may water. Somebody else may have planted. But I'm telling you, God will bring the increase. He needs you. And he needs me planting a seed. That's why we go online. We're planting seeds to people all over the world. And we're saying Jesus Christ loves you. And God will change you by the power of his Spirit and his Son. Give him praise if you believe that. Hallelujah. All right, I'm really almost done. Maybe it's, no, I am. The last thing, the church is moving up. Revelations 3, 10 through 13, he said, don't let go in these end times. There is something about hope. Have you ever just been working, you just wore out, and then you and your, spouse decides you're going to take a vacation it's almost like there's a new energy you're gonna you're gonna go on a, a cruise in three months these next three months I don't really care how difficult it may be at work because I got hope <laughs> we're going on a cruise we're gonna salsa we're gonna I can't do that either we were on a cruise one time. These people felt so sorry for me. They come up and said, you want me to teach you how to salsa? I said, teach me. Who do you think taught my wife? Where, where my daughter, you would think she was born in Cuba or something. I mean, she's just, oh, anyway. You got hope. Man, you, I'm going to go somewhere. I got hope. Can't wait. I remember Laura and I, when, we're, when we plan something like that, that's why we just planned it, you know, like, hey, next week we're going to go. Okay, let's go on a cruise next week, you know. But when we actually plan it ahead, we start talking about it. Oh, it's going to be fun. We're going to meet some people. We're going to laugh. We're going to have a good time. We start talking about the different places we're going to go to. We're going to, first thing we go, we're going to carry Oki night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're going to laugh right in their face. We're going to wait till later a little bit so they get good in the... Uh... Gives you hope. Jesus is saying, I want to give you hope. I know it's tough today, but hold on. You got a little strength. I'm coming back. Just stay strong. The word of the Lord is endure to the end. Be encouraged. He that overcometh, am I going to grant with him to sit with me? Overcomers, those that are encouraged, those who endure affliction. Paul said it this way in, in 2 Timothy 4. I've fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. Hence is laid up for me a crown of righteousness that shall be given by the righteous judge. Not for me only, but all of those who look for or love his appearing He's saying, I'm still here to live as Christ, but to die is gain. He said, but my hope is not worrying about my problems. It's that I'm going to go and be with the Lord. He's got a plan beyond my persecution. 
He's got a plan beyond my struggles, beyond my strife, beyond all of this. He's got a plan that one day I'm going to live and I'm going to rule and I'm going to be with him forever and ever and ever. Can you say amen? Come on, give him glory. Hold on to hope. Go ahead and come to the piano. Oh, my God, my God, my God. It's kind of going to be like this. The New Testament constantly is being preached and taught to those early believers. He's coming back. Jesus left giving them hope. He said in John 14, 1 through 3, he said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it wasn't so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. That where I am, you may be also. He said, I'm going. I'm getting everything ready. He said, hold on to this hope. Let me tell you what's going to happen. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17. Paul said, this is what's going to take place. He said, in the moment, in the twinkling of eye, it's going to happen like this. He says, there's going to be a shout. The voice of the archangel. Come on, Gabriel. I almost went, do the twist. I don't know where it's coming from. It's before my time. Lori told me about it. Blow your horn. And the trump. Woo! The trump of God. Is going to sound. Give me a trumpet. Figure it out. The rapture needed to take place right then. <laughs> and we, how many's part of the we? How many's going? We, which are alive, in the, well, for, let me get it right. The dead in Christ are going to be raised first. One person told me, said, my church is going first. How do you know? I said, we dead. <laughs> the dead in Christ going to be raised first. <laughs> I'm beyond exhausted. I can say what I want. <laughs> then we which are alive and remain are going to be caught up together in the clouds to meet him in the air. <laughs> Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. I can say, hey, Brother Keith, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's no big thing because he's coming back. We're going home. We're going, we're going to be in a new place. The enemy can have all this junk. I don't care about it anymore. He said, we're going to be caught up with the Lord. That's what we call the rapture. Amen. The catching away of the saints. Don't rupture yet because you're going to be raptured soon. <laughs> I just felt like saying that. Let me tell you what's going to take place. We're going to go up and be with the Lord. Things like the marriage supper of the Lamb, you ain't ate till you eat in glory. It's going to be a banquet, a celebration. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. The least are going to be the greatest. The last are going to be first. All those really, really things we preached, talked, and learned about. It's, all, it's going to be happening before our eyes. We're going to be, oh, my, 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 my. What in the world? It was worth it all. 
with thing. My God, live with the end in mind. Because one day we're going to be with him in glory forever and ever and ever. I know it's tough today, but you're going to transition. Not that crazy stuff. You're going to really transition from this place to that place. Amen. You know what I'm saying? And you're going to live with Jesus forever and ever. But just for those that ain't sure about all that, you're going to be left behind. I'll tell you what's going to happen. Seven-year tribulation is going to start taking place right then. It won't be real bad at first. Seals are going to be opened up. Vials are going to be poured out. About three and a half years into it, they're going to say, ah, this, this ain't bad. I don't know where those folks won't, went, but this world's starting to come together as one. That's called the kingdom of the Antichrist, just in case you want to know. And all of a sudden, this false prophet and this beast, there's going to be an exposing that takes place. Three and a half years into this, all hell is going to break loose. And I'm not just giving you a euphemism. I am telling you the fact. Literally, hell is going to break loose. And everything is going to be turned inside out, upside down. I mean, the sun is going to scorch this earth. Men and women are going to pray for death. And they will not be able to die for the space of five months. Rivers are going to be turned to blood. All kinds of seas are going to die. People are going to cry out. And nothing's going to change. I'm telling you, they're, they're going to beg for mercy. There are those, many, 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 many of those are going to come out of this only through death and the loss of their life. You are either going to stand finally for God or you're going to take the mark of the beast, an irrevocable mark that you will never, ever, ever stand before God except for the great white throne judgment where you are determined to go to hell forever and ever, not because he sent you, but because of a rejection of Jesus Christ on this earth. And at the end of seven and a half years, or seven years, when all of this is coming to a culmination and it looks like everything is over, all of a sudden we flip the pages all the way to Revelations 19 and all of a sudden we read, God looks out and he says, all right, my son, it's time to bring this thing to a close. Jesus is going to get on his white steed. He's going to ride. He's going to come on down. All the saints of God clothed in white linen which speaks of purity. They're going to follow him. We're going to come down as a mighty army out of heaven. Jesus is coming down. His eyes are like flames of fire. Many crowns on his head. His vesture as though it has been dipped in blood. And on his side it'll say, King of kings, Lord of lords. Out of his mouth goes a sharp two-edged sword, which is the word of God. He's going to come down. And as he does, he's just going to speak and it's going to devour nations. He's going to look out at the beast and the false prophet and the antichrist. And they're going to be sent into the lake of fire forever and ever. No resistance Greater is his power than all the powers accumulated ever on this earth. And Michael's going to go over. He's going to grab old Slewfoot, Lucifer, the devil, the troublemaker, the accuser of the brethren, the liar of all liars. He's going to grab him and he's going to start wrapping a chain around his sorry fool backside. I ain't done with you yet. I'm going to reserve you for later. He's going to throw them in the bottomless pit. And for a thousand years, the church is large and in charge. Theocratic rule. 
That means everything God says and does is done and said. We ain't going to be sitting around just, my harp, my, my heart was in the willow tree. What the crud kind of Bible you've been reading? We're going to be ruling and reigning, man. We're going to be walking in authority. God is going to give us a place. Listen, you wonder what's going on? You've been getting ready for what God's getting you ready to do in your life. He's getting you ready for leadership beyond this life that one day you're going to rule and reign all over this earth. Can you give him praise?